Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. Lisa is a international teacher. She's a clinical supervisor, an author, a coach, and an entrepreneur. She's a licensed professional counselor and a registered play therapy supervisor. She's really at the cutting edge of her field creating new and innovative models around therapy for kids and for adults. And she's the founder and president of the Synergetic Play Therapy Institute and the creator of Synergetic Play Therapy. So this alone would be plenty of reason for me to ask her to be a guest today. But Lisa Dion, uh, I... I'm not going to completely expect you to remember me, but I did create a bit of a scene at one of your conferences, and I think you maybe you know me from that. Uh, it was I winter of 2000, what would that have been, 2018 maybe, um, uh, Camaray Services in Burnaby. Oh, do, does this ring a bell already? <laughs> I, know, I know the location maybe. that I'm in, so I know we're now in the same room together in my mind. <laughs> okay, we were in the same room. I had registered months before as a clinical counselor. This was in my wheelhouse for learning. I had signed up for this course, uh, for this workshop. Very excited about it, but the timing could not have been better on a personal level. So um, all just the it, seven years of build up toward this climax of we have no idea what to do. And we need a trajectory change. And the night before the conference, I, I had already thought, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to make it. Um, I'd been up all night with our daughter in the hospital, total crisis mode. And and then I woke up in the morning and I was like, you know what? The whole house could fall apart, but I need to go to this workshop. So I'm just going to throw on whatever I can manage, take my puffy eyes with me. And of course, I was late because everything was not going as according to plan. So I show up and I weave and of course there's one seat right at the front so the spotlight's there and I'm late and I'm like I don't care I just gonna this is it this is the moment and I'm gonna leave with magic or it's just I'm at a loss I need the magic so I was that parent uh, in the in the room of professionals who did not have my professional hat on and I was like I'm gonna ask you all the questions and I am going to talk to you at the break and I I'm gonna take what I need and it really really was pivotal like profoundly pivotal and so I, yeah, my gratitude cannot be expressed in words, but I, that was the reason I said Lisa needs to be a guest on this podcast because I need to have this conversation with her. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Well, thank you. And I'm glad that we can speak again and share time, yeah. share time together again. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, maybe you could just start by sharing a bit about the work that you do. You have fingers and a whole lot of pies. And so I don't even know where to begin with that. I'll let you take the wheel on that and tell us a bit about the work that you do and why you do it. Great. Well, I've been a play therapist for, I was actually doing the math the other day and I went, oh my gosh, I hit my 20 year mark, which Whoa. felt like a really big milestone for me. Like, wow, I've been at this yeah. for, for 20 years working with kids and, and families and I'm also a mom of a 15 and a half year old. So we have teenage world happening in my home, yeah. um, home right now. Um, and I spend a lot of my time teaching, training, working with parents that I support, uh, the caregivers that I support, the students that I you know that I come in contact with and really understanding what's going on with kids um, at a really deep level and and what does it really take for healing to occur not just in, yeah. a, in a clinical setting but even just in the home too and yeah. because we play a role in that as as parents and as caregivers yeah. and so yeah so that's mm -hmm. that's what i'm up to in the world and that translates into I have a podcast called Lessons from the Playroom. I have a yes. book called Aggression and Play Therapy, working on 
another book for parents. I'm so excited to get that out oh, at amazing. some point when that okay. decides to get birthed. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's own, right. It has its, its own, own timeline. Time. It has its own timing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not as in control as we like to think. Exactly. Oh. Um, exactly. And I do it. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. I love to spend my time teaching and training yeah. and educating and, and offering support your consistency makes that so clear. Like everything that I see from you, everything that crosses my desk, every video I watch, every consultation, every, all of it fits this. You just so, um, authentic and, and consistent and it's been it, and flexible, consistent and flexible. So as you learn new things, I see that folding in, um, but such a consistency in terms of your perspective on curiosity and trying to learn and then find ways to deliver that effectively to people. And it, yeah, my own experience has been, you've done that in a really effective way. It's been very helpful. Yeah. Can you help us better understand the difference between um, what parents might call tantrums. So I'm just going to use names that I often hear in the office, right? My kid has these constant tantrums. What's the difference internally, um, about what's happening for kids with tantrums and what's happening for kids who are dysregulated? It's such a great question because our mind wants to make them different. And, um, and I think it's important for us as parents to recognize that, when our children are struggling, whatever the expression of that is dysregulation. So we're really talking about a a continuum. So the child that blurts out, I'm so mad at you, to the child that picks up a chair and hurls a chair at a wall. It's it's a continuum, but it's dysregulation. And so I think that it's important to understand what is that? Like, what is the dysregulation and how do we work with the dysregulation? Because understanding that gives us insight into, well, how do we respond if it's something that we want to categorize more as a tantrum versus something we want to categorize as a full explosion meltdown? Uh, So understanding what's underneath it, I think is useful rather than, Mm -hmm. well, let's separate out categorical is this then we then it's this category or we're going to label it as this and if they do this we're going to label it as this because it misses to me the underlying piece that's that's really going on so i don't know if we want to get into dysregulation and and go there yeah i think it would be helpful as a platform to understanding then how we go about co-regulating and the impact that that has and why so yeah if you can lay a bit of a foundation for us about describing What's happening when we're dysregulated? Yeah, what's happening when we're, for sure. So a couple of key things for us to understand just in terms of our own development. And when I say our own, mm-hmm. I mean human development. Yeah. When our children are born or when an individual is born, um, the child already knows how to get dysregulated. And dysregulation, the way I'm going to define it, it just means that their their brains are perceiving a challenge of some kind, could be externally or internally. And I can explain what I mean uh, when I say that a bit more. And their body's responding. And the two core ways that we respond are we go into a fight or flight response, which we're looking at what does that look like in expression? It can look like heightened anxiety, aggression, the energy gets big, the voice gets big, moving around a lot, but there's, there's energy, right? The system is moving into action to do something about whatever the challenge is. Or we have this other beautiful response, which is to to shut down and to withdraw and to collapse, which is another way of managing whatever it is that we're perceiving as, as being as being hard. And again, that can be an outward uh, perception or an inward perception. And, and that's a key piece, because if we think of an infant, an infant gets dysregulated when an infant feels hungry. So the infant is receiving internal cues that Mm -hmm. the brain is perceiving as challenging. I'm hungry. That Mm -hmm. activates the system into I'm going to cry now or I'm going to reach out now. Um, Or the child could also have something that feels scary going on. Let's say all of a sudden there's a dog in the house and the dog runs quickly past the child and barks and startles the child and the child gets scared. Well, 
that's an external perception, well, that all is also going to activate the system into a dysregulated state. So right. we have internal things and we have external things, and that's important yeah. as we're as we're you know thinking it through. But the point of this is that when a child is born, no one has to teach a child how to do this part of it. Mm-hmm. The child automatically knows, right, that our, our systems are so intelligent and they're wired to know what to do to try to keep us safe and to try to, to, to you know, to, to manage our, our internal world. The part that is challenging is the part to regulate the response. So the ability that we have inside to modulate that, to down-regulate that, to not lose ourselves in that, and that, we'll call that regulation, and that is something that we learn over time, and we learn through repetition and through practice. So that's an important thing, I think, for parents to understand, that our children, the, the primary response or the go-to response is dysregulation. Yeah. The, 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 um, the baseline is not regulation. The baseline is actually dysregulation. Dysregulation. Huh. It's the learning how to become regulated. That's the learn piece that we're working with them to develop over time. Yeah. I think sometimes as parents, we expect it to be the opposite that the regulation should be the baseline the and default. then from there, okay. that's the default. And then from there we get dysregulated and it's actually very opposite in our system. Uh-huh. We have to almost reteach the system uh, that things are okay. And that we don't need to be revving up into action or, or shutting down. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about dysregulation, we're talking about a normal, natural, wise response based on the child's perception of whatever's going on externally or internally. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most beautiful parts of our, of our biology. It's received a really bad reputation yes, because, <laughs> <laughs> because right. it's really uncomfortable to be around someone that's yeah. disrespected, but the system is doing exactly what it was designed what it's meant to do. To be. Right. So a tantrum could be because the child is hungry mm-hmm. or because they're tired, which is an, an internal perception of things are not feeling right inside. Well, that mm-hmm. could initiate the tantrum or it could be that the child perceives that something's really, that something is really important to them just got taken away. Well, mm-hmm. that could be the initiation of the, of the tantrum or anything else. So again, the tantrum is on a, um, on a continuum. Okay. Yeah. Really helpful. Really helpful. You're, you're right. It feels very inconvenient to have dysregulation in your world when you have become more regulated yourself, right? Because then it, then it's the discomfort of the clash of, of my world versus your world. And, and you're right. This expectation of the default in our little ones that they should have basically been born mini adults Uh and and we're not mini adults when we come into the world. Uh So reframing our own expectation of the case. So the default is when it's working right, dysregulation is, is the way. Uh And we learn over time to moderate that, to facilitate that and to regulate that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. When this is a common, this is a common um, conversation I have with parents Mm -hmm. is feeling, and maybe it's a little bit out of order in asking this, but so we're going to jump to dysregulation, lots of it. It's all happening. Mm -hmm. Parents are feeling like they aren't knowing how to work with it. And then they, they get dysregulated themselves and then intense shame gets internalized. This is not the mom I wanted to be. I just screamed. What is wrong with me? My mom did that to me. I never wanted to do that. I'm so determined to walk in with my calm, right? And all this dichotomy, like just the ends of the spectrum, I can't be perfect. And so then I lose it. And then afterwards I feel like too late. Like that, that was a done deal. And so I wanted to talk a bit about attachment and rupture repair and that it's not all done yet. Uh When things have calmed, you're not done your job. There's opportunities still and hope. 
Well, I mean, what I just heard you say in your question is the expectation that parents often put on themselves. I mean, I, I'm, I'm familiar with this one, which mm-hmm. is this unrealistic expectation for us to be non-human. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for na- This was the thing that, I, this is the magic that I walked away with that changed my world. So go, you can talk for hours about this and I'd be so pleased. Go ahead. <laughs> well, let's just start with the premise of the number one thing that children are looking for is to learn how to be human. They just want someone to teach them how to be human. So if we're trying not to be human, rather than embracing our humanness, what are we modeling to our children? Yes. So the reality is, is that um, we are human. We have capacities. We have nervous systems. We have our own history that gets activated. We have we have our own thresholds because yeah. that's that's what we do. We have mm-hmm. our own buttons that get pushed. We we have our own stuff, and so to have an expectation that somehow we're going to rise above all of that and be this I don't even know this parent that yeah, has I know I call it that. Zen like yeah. yeah. Uh, my mind says there is no other option than to have a internal experience of I'm not good enough. What's wrong with me? Uh, shame, guilt, because I'm comparing myself to a fantasy. Yes. So, and I can't ever live Impossible. up to a fantasy. Impossible. Right. So of course I'm going to feel disappointed in myself. Of course I'm going to yeah. feel guilty. Of course I'm going to feel like beating myself up. So that's the first thing for us to recognize is when and why we are setting unrealistic standards and expectations for ourselves because that alone dysregulates us. Yes, it does. So talk about a trigger, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're all, we're now dysregulated. Mm -hmm. We're now dysregulated. And then we're already now entering an experience with our child who needs something from us, but we're, we have less to offer in those moments because we're so consumed by our own, by our own dysregulation. So I think that's the first piece just to name is yeah. um, everyone, we're human. And so yeah. let's take a breath. Right. And what's so beautiful is that when we, I don't know, miss the cues, mm-hmm. when we can't get it together, when we have a human moment, when we say that thing that we're like, I can't believe I said that, when we mm-hmm. respond the way it was not how we thought it through in our mind and it it just didn't play out the way we wanted. There is something so brilliant and so magical about being able to go back to our child afterwards and doing the repair. Mm -hmm. The research strongly shows now that an attuned parent or caregiver is only attuned 30% of the time. That's at 30%, which means that the majority of relationship is about navigating when things don't go well. Yes. It's about navigating those moments when I missed your cue and I couldn't show up the way you needed me to show up and I couldn't show up for myself the way that I needed to show up. And, and so much of relationship is about that. When we can recognize that, then we can then go one step further and say, okay, so there's a window of opportunity there. Because if I do come back around and I do a repair, I've actually just strengthened the relationship. Yes. Not only did I just model to my child, it's okay to be human. Yeah. But now I'm also reinforcing to the child that, you know what, when things don't go well between us, I'm going to come back around. What I have observed over the last 20 years in my clinical practice is that many of the pains and hurts that we carry are because the rep, the repair didn't happen. Yeah. Agreed. The, the rupture happens, but the repair didn't happen. That's right. And, um, and I think this is important because sometimes parents, again, have this expectation of, oh, I should just get it right, whatever that means. But there's a, there's a real downside to that thought. Because if, if you somehow could pull that off, how we pulled that off, if somehow yeah, you could pull yeah. it off to be totally attuned and do it all perfect, whatever that means, um, then the child potentially is left in, their back of, in the back of their mind with this thought, okay, things are so good, but what happens when they're not? Right. 
the, That's the child, right? The child doesn't yeah. actually have they evidence yet. Doesn't have evidence. And so what we are now learning and, and I'm really appreciating about attachment is that strong attachment actually requires us to not get a right. Yeah. I love that so much. It's, right? It's part of the relieving. It's part of the recipe. It's it part is. of the recipe. Yeah. But you have to come back around and do the that's repair. Right. Yeah. And when we come back around and do the repair, that's the part that says, I am here for you. And we're in this together and I'm willing to come back around and take responsibility and say, I can't even believe I responded that way. And that must've felt really yucky for you. And gosh, you know, I heard my tone of voice. I saw the look on your face. That must've been scary. Mm -hmm. I imagine you were scared of me. I mean, could you imagine what that would feel like to a child to have the parent acknowledge to them? Powerful. I bet, I bet I scared you and Mm -hmm. gosh, that was not my intention. I got scared too. That's why I responded. Gosh, we were both scared. I mean, what an amazing time to be able to come back together and say, all right, we're still, (sighs) we're still here and we're still good, right? We're still, we're still good. Even though things I didn't feel so good 10 minutes ago. Well, and and how healing potentially for the parent because it it deflects it processes what could otherwise synthesize into shame. Right. It's it's the opportunity to say I'm allowed to have feel to have come through that and felt like that was less than ideal and I see the pain that got transferred and I'm wanting to attend to that and heal and reconnect and and that offers a way mm-hmm. to use that experience, not deny ourselves. We don't want to pretend, well, I was justified and that was fine. And I'm not going back to my kid because, but also not on the other end of the continuum where that was horrible. It's too late. I'll just try harder next time. But we're, we're not really building that platform to be able to do it better next time. It's very self-defeating if we don't find ways to communicate and share the lived experience with our kids. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. I I had kind of branched these questions a little bit out and you've named a couple of things in this answer already because I wanted to talk about that false narrative of we we need to we're we're broken parents if we can't be our zen all the time when our kids show the ramping up that if we can't always come with our oh what's wrong that somehow we're broken and i wanted that myth to be cleared because i think that is so super foundational to yeah. seeing everything else that we read and listen to about parent advice it just it's like somebody just gave me a new pair of glasses on the whole thing right yeah read it differently shot the glasses everyone grab grab your new glasses that's right grab your new glasses and glue (laughs) them to your face (laughs) do not take them off yeah the the biggest myth of regulation is that regulation means to be calm and and the biggest myth that i see perpetuated out there in parenting is that great parenting requires a calm parent Mm-hmm. which so far I haven't seen how that's pulled off in an authentic way. Right. What I see more is the parent attempting to look like they're calm. So trying yeah, to generate do. a calm exterior and mm-hmm. inside they're like, ah, <laughs> I'm trying not, I'm trying not to lose it. And the reason why this is so significant, Karen, is because we know that one of the things that the brain is scanning for in the environment Mm -hmm. to register safety is something I call incongruence, incongruence in the environment. So we pick up on each other's nonverbal cues and Mm -hmm. we pay attention to that so much more than the words that we hear come out of someone's mouth. And so when a parent is acting calm on the outside, but inside they're not, even if the parent thinks they're hiding the truth, which is what's Mm -hmm. inside their body. Oh, exactly. Their body is oozing what's actually real. 
And that actually sends off a warning signal to the child's mm -hmm. brain. It's why sometimes we actually see um, the child escalate in their behaviors or the child's anxiety goes up because the child doesn't know how to orient because the parent that they're orienting to in that moment is not actually being congruent. Right. Now that doesn't feel trustworthy, right? It I, I'm just, yeah. it doesn't, yeah, it's not I don't, I don't know what's really what true of you. Am I relying on here? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. when we're talking about regulation, I want to give a different definition. So great. This for, when we're starting to get activated and our own ability to regulate, what does that mean? What's the goal here? And then also when we see our child dysregulated and now we're trying to support our child in regulating, what are we really saying? Because what I'm, what I'm going to say is that that does not mean I need to help my child calm down. And it right. does not mean I need to help myself calm down. Yep. So I want parents to take that language and tidy it all up into a little ball. <laughs> put it in Can a we drawer. burn it? burn it, put it in a trash can. Yeah. Um, because what it, what we're actually going for is connection. Yes. Regulation means to connect. So how this looks or what this experience is, is as I am standing in front of my child who's losing it, Okay. They're losing it. They're escalating yeah. because I'm a human being and I have a nervous system. And my nervous system is in a resonant experience with their nervous system. Mm -hmm. I like to talk about it as our nervous system say hello when they come in yes. contact with each other. So my nervous system is saying hello to my kids, very activated nervous system. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm going to get activated whether I like it or not. Yes. There is no option here, whether I like it or not. So I'm going to get dysregulated. Parents, please hear that. You yes. are going to it's feel, yeah, you are going to feel dysregulated when you are standing in front of your screaming child. You are. Yes. You are going to get dysregulated when your child is so shut down that they won't make eye contact with you and you don't know how to engage them. When your child is an anxious ball of nerves and can't figure out how to get out the door in the morning, mm -hmm. you're going to feel anxious with them. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you're supposed to, because that's where empathy, first of all, kicks in, right? But you're supposed <laughs> to, you. right? You're supposed to be able to attune if yes. we're not willing to There's feel relationship it. there yes. that's working. Exactly. Yeah. I am, you're giving me information about yeah. what's going on with you and I'm feeling it so that I better understand you. Yeah. So, all right. So I'm feeling all this stuff. Now it's time for me to regulate. And I just said, it doesn't mean calm down. It means connect. Mm -hmm. So parents, I want you to hear that the work is how do I connect to myself while I'm feeling dysregulated. Yes. That's regulation. Beautiful. I'm making the dysregulation go away. How do I hang, hang with myself mm -hmm. while mm -hmm. I'm noticing that I'm starting to escalate? How do I connect with myself when I notice I'm starting to get worked up or I'm feeling anxious or I'm noticing the urge in me to control my child or make my child right. stop or exactly. how do I work with that? Do I need to breathe? Yeah. Do I need to be authentic and name out loud? Oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed right now. Yes. Yeah. Do I need to name, uh, do I need to name, oh my goodness, I, I really got to take some deep breaths because I can feel myself starting to escalate. Do I need to name it? Do I need to tag team someone in the house and say, can you step in and help? Because I need to go take like 10 deep breaths in the bathroom. You know, I'll be right yeah. back. Like, yeah. what do I need to do to, to stay connected to myself? Yeah. That's step one. Yeah. So often what we want to do as parents is we want to jump past this point because this is the uncomfortable piece. And Karen, you had mentioned that earlier, right? When we, when we start to feel everything, it's like, it's really uncomfortable. And so the, the natural inclination is let's, let's just make get that stop. It. Let's That's get rid right. of it. Yeah. And, and the brain says, I mean, this is the why, this is the wise brain. The brain says, all right, there's something in my environment Mm -hmm. That seems to be causing this. Therefore, I need to stop whatever's happening in my environment 
so that I don't have to feel this. I mean, that's just a a natural thought process of the brain. Yes. However, that's not what we're going for. Right. We have to start here first Mm -hmm. because our child, remember, our child doesn't have this ability so locked in quite yet. And so they need our support in connecting to themselves, which is the goal. So with our children, it's not about calming our children down. It's about teaching my child how to stay connected while they're sad, Mm -hmm. while they're anxious, while they're mad, while they're overwhelmed, so they don't lose themselves. That's the skill. That's the resiliency. That's the resiliency skill. And that's the piece that ultimately builds out and up their own social emotional intelligence and preps them to be able to go out into the world because there's a lot of feelings out in the world. Right. They're not going away anytime soon. (laughs) Right. And so and so we need to learn how to not lose ourselves with whatever life hands, you know, brings to us, so so to speak. I just promised me and I'm like, I want to take a breath. Yeah, I I'm thinking about kids losing or not just kids. When we're dysregulated, we lose ourselves. How do we find ourselves? That's the act of reconnecting. How do we find ourselves back? How do we find ourselves back? Can you can you name ways to reconnect with ourselves internally? You, I mean, you gave a good example about parent. If you're if you're a parent and you're feeling dysregulated, you could say, "Whoa, I'm going to name what's happening for me. I'm going to be." like the goal to be authentic. I'm going to actually go in myself and find out what is happening. That's legitimate, not try and squash it or get rid of it or pretend it's not happening. Name it, go take care of it can help us reconnect. Is there anything that works with our kids to help them reconnect? Yeah. Um, I want to share, as you were saying, there's a little story that just came to mind Mm -hmm because I think this kind of puts the whole piece that we're talking about together. So this, this literally just happened last week. So I am, I'm in my car with my daughter and, um, and she was getting dysregulated. She's struggling. And in that, in her dysregulation and struggle, she is saying things that um, are landing for me as, Ooh, ouch. That's a little, yeah. that's a little painful, right? She's throwing, she's throwing oh, daggers, yeah. right? Okay. She's throwing daggers in, in, my, in my direction. Uh-huh. That's well, parents, personal. Yeah, right. Parents, we know, right? She's, yeah, exactly. Right. And so it's feeling yeah. personal. Yes. Feeling personal. Yes. So I noticed the part in me that wanted to get her to stop, right? I noticed that urge arise in me. To protect that wanted, Yeah, that wanted to be like, yeah. you can't say that to me or you can't talk yeah. to me that way. Or So I noticed that. Yeah recognizing that her dysregulation is really underneath that is the phrase, mom, I need your help. Mm-hmm. So whatever the expression of dysregulation is, yep. what it's actually saying is I need your help. I've lost myself. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. And so, okay, so this is happening and and what a challenging moment because it feels personal. Mm -hmm. Why do I want to help someone when I personally feel under attack? But these are those moments where it's like, Mm -hmm. "Uh uh-huh, and she needs my help. I'm the Mm -hmm. parent right now, right? She needs my help. So in that moment, it was taking a really deep breath, big one, many of them, reminding myself that she needs my help. And then within my own system, reaching my hand across and Mm. putting my hand on her leg, Mm. right? Just so in the midst of the Mm -hmm. activation, the recoiling, wanting to pull away, I actually leaned in to connect and I put my hand on her. I didn't say anything. I just put my hand on her leg and I felt her body just go. Yeah. And she put her hand on my hand. Yeah. And in that moment, she connected to herself. Okay. Yes. So 
So the piece that we're answering here is what does it take to help the child connect? And the answer is our child needs to borrow our regulatory capacity. Yes. Our child is looking to borrow our nervous system. So in that moment when I'm dysregulated, I have to connect to myself to offer her something, mm-hmm. something to grab onto. Um, otherwise, she doesn't have anything to grab onto. She's just yeah. reaching into my dysregulation, so to speak. So right. she's got to be able to, 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 again, to borrow something. So when I put my hand on her leg, it grounded her. Yeah. And she was able to, to connect to herself and feel herself because she was able to borrow my regulatory capacity yeah. at that moment. And, and so that's like one example of, of, of the process. Cause there's not mm-hmm. a script and I know mm-hmm. parents really want the script. Oh, I know we I want know. the manual. I know. And, and it's not that I, I think there's just these couple key pieces. It's like yeah. step one, I need to be able to even register that I'm dysregulated as the parent mm-hmm. like, and that I'm bothered, right? Something's up for me. And then step two, I need to find a way back to myself. Yeah. Once I have found my way back to myself, now I can help my child, mm-hmm. but not, not until that point. Mm-hmm. And when I'm supporting my child, it's not about making them stop or calming their behavior. It's about finding a way to support their own internal connection. So ideas. So in that moment, we're in a car, right? This, I'm working yeah, with limited available. So yeah. hand one on her leg. If we were at home, it might have been, hey, babe, let's go take a walk. It might have been um, turning on her favorite song. Mm-hmm. And because I know she really loves music and and rhythm helps her, right? Rhythm helps yeah. her get in touch with herself. Um, it might have been recognizing, oh, you know what? She hasn't had a snack. Okay, let's get you a snack. Mm-hmm. So it might be me recognizing that that's part of it and getting Meeting her basic snack. needs. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It might be um, so my daughter really likes physical touch. I know some kids do, some kids don't. So sometimes I notice she gets dysregulated and I don't say anything. I just walk over mm-hmm. and I just put my arms around her and just squeeze her, right? Squeeze her and hold her tight yeah. because that act of the physical pressure helps her get back, Releases you know, into her, yeah. into her body. And then sometimes I totally forget everything that we're talking about. And we totally have a moment where it's super messy. And then we, and then we come back and we do the repair. And then we do the things that we're, that we're talking about right now is, and then we hug or we take a breath together or we take the walk or we get the snack or we, and and we come back around and we go, Mm. wow, that was, that was messy. Yeah. Ah. Can you talk about mirroring more of the data we receive, the emotional data mm-hmm. that happens in the discharge from our kids and the interaction with her kids? We're collecting information yeah. and, and it happens because we're connected to them. And so it's like a wire, right? A wire tap. And then we get all that data and we feel the things ourselves and then to be authentic and genuine and transfer that into a productive piece here. The production is really about reconnection. Um, Mirroring looks like what? Yeah. Cause that, when you described that in front of me, I like, I, I, and it's probably just how I learn, but I needed a visual. I couldn't have read that in a book. It would not have stuck with me. But when you showed me what it looked like to me, I was like, Oh dang, I get that. Uh-huh. I can do that all the time. Uh-huh. And it, right the concept. So if you can describe or show us what authentic mirroring looks yeah. like and why it works. Yeah. That would be great. So the question is what are we mirroring? That's kind of the big question and mm-hmm. question in the question. Because sometimes we think that the mirroring is a literal mirroring of our child. So, you know, our child is going, ah, and then we go, ah, the child is sad. So therefore we need to look sad yeah. or, and that's not what we're mirroring. Yeah. What we're mirroring is the felt sense between us. We're mirroring the emotions that are arising. 
And, and so it's almost like you could take the word mirroring and again, put that in the drawer too, and just come back to what does it take for you to have a genuine, authentic response related to what's happening in that moment in the relationship? And how do you do it in a way where you're taking responsibility rather than blaming? So Mm -hmm. we'll give some more language, right? So like, let's say, um, let's say that I'm having an experience with a, with a child and the child is, is, is doing something and my system is starting to feel overwhelmed and I'm starting to get dysregulated and activated and I'm starting to feel really, you know, really overwhelmed. Well, mirroring would be mirroring and working with the activation of the overwhelm. Okay. An authentic way of working with that um, could be, well, I'm noticing, I'm noticing that I'm getting overwhelmed. Wow. I'm noticing that I need to take a deep breath. Wow. I'm noticing I need to like shake my hands out or stop my, my feet on the ground. That's different than you're overwhelming me. Right. Right. Because someone might say, well, that's authentic too. Well, our system is choosing, is is, is in response. And we're we're talking about, if we're mirroring, we're talking about offering our child, um, I'm going to use the word template, a template for Mm -hmm. learning. Okay. So... One of the cool things that happens is that our children engage with us in such a way where we now have this sort of shared activation experience. And then as they are observing our own activation, there is a part of their brain that's watching us going, mom gets it. That's right. Validating. Visually validating. That's what it feels like inside. See, mom's getting stressed out too. See? And so two things. One is when we pretend that we're calm, we're rupturing the mirror. Yeah. Right? Which is often why they have to escalate it. So the mirror can There it is. Yes. Okay. So we're not actually being authentic and we're not giving them um, a, a clean mirror, if you will, to look into to see themselves. Okay, yeah. so that's that's that part of it. Okay. But the second piece is that they're now watching to see what we do with it. Mm-hmm. So if we are are recognizing that this is a, a teachable moment, well, let's take responsibility in those moments. Yes. I need this. Yeah. I'm noticing. I because that's part of the new template that we're that we're giving our child. Look, when yeah. you feel overwhelmed, you can ask for what you need too. Yes. Look, when you're feeling, when you're really struggling, look, you can you go deserve care. You yeah. deserve care, yeah. which is different than when you feel overwhelmed, just blame someone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. That is exactly what's happening when we have that expectation. That's exactly right. This is what I do when I'm upset. It's your fault. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and, and I think that is, that's in part what happens for parents who internalize shame is they recognize that they don't want to blame their kids, but that's what's coming out of their mouths. And it's not inauthentic. It isn't inauthentic to say I'm being impacted by what my child's bringing to the room. That is not, that's true. Yes. But the blame piece, when we call it blame, it insinuates that we need to then control and change and fix that thing so we can be okay. And that's the lack of responsibility. So I'm genuinely, legitimately overwhelmed by what is happening for my child and that I'm in tune with, attuned to, right? That's fair. But I think that's where we get the language piece, because that's when people blame themselves and go, that's not okay to feel that way. It's like, I need to only be in their world and not recognize what's happening for me. I'm, yeah, yeah. 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 Powerful difference. It is a powerful difference. And our children are watching and, and again, they're, they want to know how to do human. So we're going to, we're going to be human. You know, I had parents ask me, okay, great Lisa, but what about like when you're really mad? Like, what does that look like Like when you're really, really angry and you're about to lose it? Yeah. 
there's something really beautiful about being able to say to your, to, you know, to your child as you're escalating, um, um, I'm escalating. I'm hearing it. I'm noticing. I'm hearing my own voice. I'm noticing my own temperature rise. I know, I know that in about five minutes that I have a high probability where I'm going to lose it. Yeah. I mean, there's something really, you know, as I'm saying that I'm not calm, but I'm connected to myself. Yep. So let's add that little nuance in here too. I'm not flying off the handle. I'm being mm-hmm. honest about the fact that I'm angry, but I'm not mm-hmm. flying off the handle about it. Yeah. I'm connected and I'm poised. I'm centered in it. Yeah. So parents, it's okay to say, I feel really angry right now. Right. So I'm going to take a deep breath. Yeah. Here's what that I'm going to do to take responsibility regulation. and care for myself in front of yes. you. Yeah. That is regulation. Yeah. I feel like I'm about to lose my mind. Yeah. So I'm going to take a deep breath right now. Yeah. Otherwise, we, we risk so this like I'm teaching my kid that anger is not okay. Mm-hmm. That's an emotion we don't feel here, right? But by demonstration, that's what we would be saying is right. I, I have to deny myself of that feeling. I feel shame for having that feeling. I won't let you in on that little secret, although they know anyway. But okay. our attempt is to conceal, to squash, to get rid of, to deny, and to protect people from when in fact it's not the anger is not the problem. Nope. Right? The anger is not the problem. It's the disconnection that puts us at risk. It's the fact that we're not being honest about it. That's the not being honest. Right. Problem, but, yeah. And we always say that, right? In therapeutic context, the further you want to shove it down, the more loud it will come out. Exactly. It will find its leak hole and it will <laughs> right? It will come out like the the dam can only hold so much. You will find a leak and that's okay because your body is saying it. I'm right here. (laughs) You can't control me. There's something that has to happen and you're denying me of the opportunity, right? For it to flow. Children are craving authenticity. Yes. And they will do whatever they need to do to get it. Yeah. Yeah. They will, they will push. They will, they will do whatever, whatever it takes. Mm. Sometimes I think it's useful as parents for us to stop when our children are escalating or when things seem to be really kind of going to really stop and ask that question. How, how much am I trying to deny right now? Yeah. Where am I not being honest about what's going on and how is that potentially contributing to the escalation? Because if I can see it that way, then I could recognize that my child's escalation is actually my help and that my child is not escalating to make me mad per se, my child is escalating to help me get authentic, Yeah. which what if that's the truth? What if most of what's happening in the parent child dynamic is trying to get both people to be authentic and that we will do whatever it takes because we actually love and care for each other Mm -hmm. to push whatever button we need to push to help each other get that. To get that and to get yeah. back to ourselves. Yep. You know, if, if a parent is lost, that parent expect the child to do whatever they can to help them get back in touch with themselves. Yeah. Even if it's starting with getting in touch with their own anger about the situation, mm-hmm. it's at least a step back. And yeah. we do the same for our children, even if we don't recognize that we're doing it in this, in this language. But I firmly believe that, that mm-hmm. um, the parent child relationship part of the magic of it is that, uh, at the, at the, at the root of it all, both parent and the child want and are trying to support each other in being their most authentic, most real Mm. selves. Mm. It's it's a powerful summative statement. Like, and, and I, I don't know if other parents operate this way, but when I'm veering towards my own dysregulation and at the same time, very aware of wanting to get this right for my kids, Mm -hmm. it's at that fork in the road (laughs) that I go, I need a tidbit to ground me intellectually. Like I need, what's my purpose here? What's my goal when I walk into their bedroom? What is the, when I address or connect 
what am I aiming for? Like, I need a couple of words, one phrase to hook. Right. That grounds. Right. That's what this was all about. That's where I'm headed. Yeah. Yeah. It makes all the difference. And I'll, I'll often say to myself with not at, and that alone will help me. I'll say, no, my goal is not to be at her. It's to be with her. Right. Or walking this through with parents who go, I just lose it. You could tell me all the right things and I'll walk home and I'll be determined like, yes, it all makes sense. And then something hits the fan and I'm like, what did she say? (laughs) And fair. I have that same lived experience. So even just these little, these little pieces of foundation that go, oh, right. That's the root. That's the thing. And I can do it imperfectly yeah, that this is, this is data. This is helpful. This isn't something to be, to stop. This is something to let flow. This is something to be safe in. This is something to connect. Yeah. Yeah. Then it orients everything we do, right? If I can say my goal is to be with, then everything, every tiny next step I do is about, is this me being with or at her? And, and it just, we get through it. Right. And then what used to be five hours is now five minutes. Karen, as you're saying that, the, the, the new little phrase in my head, right? The connect, not calm. Yes, yes, the yes. Little, connect, little, not calm. Beautiful. Not calm, right? Connect, connect not, not calm. Okay. So I'm aware of time because I really, honestly, Lisa, I could just talk to you all day. And we can't because we have other things we need to get to. Um, but can I just say thank you so much for your generous offer to spend this hour with us, um, to record this in two ways. So if parents want the, the more interactive kind of approach, if that's helpful for, for hearing and learning and being with us, then you can watch the video or you can just listen on, on the podcast, but I would encourage you to check out, um, Lisa's resources and I'll put all the links to her, to her information and her books and all that stuff in the show notes so that you can uh, look at that more. Cause I, I regularly refer people to your information and I, yeah, thank you for doing this today. Appreciate it. Thank you Karen, so much for the invitation. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.